0: hey what's up guys welcome back to the lawn care leaders podcast let's get into it what up guys this is an interview with Jason Wilk Jason is a product manager for echo who has been with the company for 15 years this interview we talk about all things equipment product innovation and since we're in just full swing of things here with spring rush Everybody's closing sales our theme for the week is new crews and new equipment I thought it'd be a great time to have Jason weigh in on some of the new products and some of the ways You can capitalize on investing in echo equipment. Well, Jason. Here's what I want you to do man start with Start with the uh, start with the beginning share share the echo story some history and really what the the brand
1: echo is about Sure, sure. Yeah, no echo you know our history believe it or not we're actually uh next year we'll be celebrating our 50th year in business um so got to think that takes us back to 1972 time frame and that's a time frame before you know things that we use every day today in landscape businesses didn't even exist yeah. so we're talking you know that was prior to a backpack blower that was prior to a handheld blower that was prior to you know what we call a string trimmer so i mean from the time that Echo Incorporated in the United States until now, obviously a huge shift um, in in the type of products, uh, just uh, the number of products uh, that we offer. But one of the things that's kind of really stayed true to Echo from the beginning, and you know, over the last 50 years, is building commercial grade products. You know, designed to last, uh, really for the pros and uh that's something from 1972 to now is is something that's been a consistent message for the last 50 years is professional grade product
0: very cool man 50 years is that's yeah that's awesome that's awesome and i and there's there's rich history in the green industry with echo and you guys do such a great job now of of keeping top of mind and and Helping business owner, I know you guys have the the Echo means business stuff going on, and yep. it's just fun to see see the brand grow and develop. I I, I do want to know, I'm curious, what was what was Echo's first product? What was their first product line?
1: Yeah, so we would bring in some products from Japan uh, in in the early 1970s that were really you know chainsaws. Um, obviously, we didn't invent the chainsaw. Chainsaw had been around since you know the 1920s. But one of the things that I uh, kind of put Echo on the map was a very small, uh, compact chainsaw. You know, when chainsaws first came on the scene, you know, it took two burly lumberjacks to operate I mean, them. Literally, the piece of equipment it was over 100 pounds. It took, you know, two people to operate it. And that was always big, massive pieces of equipment. Um, Echo had been manufacturing in Japan, kind of smaller, we'll say, you know, homeowner, personal use type chainsaws. And one of the things that really kind of exploded with the brand and put Echo on the map was, you know, around the mid-70s is when uh, uh, there's uh, sharp rises in oil prices, right? So uh, the drastically rising oil costs basically caused a boom in the small chainsaw sales to homeowners. Who are looking to basically turning the wood burning as an alternative fuel for oil uh, to heat their homes. So we had at the time a small displacement chainsaw, the CS 452 VL, and that thing just dominated the market. It was really small. Um, the the power to weight ratio is unlike anything uh, out on the market. Uh, the speed of cut. Um, it had vibration reduction mounts, made it very comfortable to use. And even for uh, that time there, you know, we talked about safety features. It was one of the first chainsaws that actually had an automatic chain brake. There was a lot of chainsaws that, you know, there was no chain brake to protect you against a uh, kickback uh, situation. So very lightweight, very powerful, very good cutting, easy starting, and allowed homeowners to basically process wood to heat their homes and save some money on the high uh, oil cross, and that's really kind of where, where Echo got started was in the small uh, displacement uh, chainsaws. That's but interesting. An, oh, yeah. Yeah, another uh, product that really kind of puts on the map, I, I like to say, you know, we invented it, but uh, the reality is it actually was invented by a group of landscapers in southern California was the backpack blower. Yeah. So we had, you know, prior to 1975, there really was no such thing as a backpack blower. Uh, Echo was importing from Japan what we call garden a garden sprayer, so an insecticide sprayer. So picture a backpack blower with a big liquid tank on the back uh, on the top of it, and you would mix up your insecticide or your pesticide in there and it would basically drip this liquid down this you know blower tube and the liquid hit the airstream and it would disperse the pesticide onto whatever you're spraying. So we had been uh, selling those for several years. And then all of a sudden, we started getting these uh, water tanks that were sent back to Echo. And our engineers at the time ran a bunch of tests on them and, you know, did all these, <laughs> you know, pressure leaks and test leaks. And they couldn't find anything wrong with it. So they actually reached out to the sealer uh, that had sent these water tanks back. And it was in Southern California. And he, you know, asked, why, why are you sending these things back? We can't find anything wrong with them. He said, well, believe it or not, I have some uh, landscape crews that are removing this water tank. Uh, They're putting a piece of metal uh, that kind of cover the hole of where the tank was. And they're using it to blow around garbage. They're using it to blow around leaves and, uh, you know, grass clippings and things that accumulated under hedges. And, you know, we're, we're like, how is someone using a liquid sprayer to blow around basically trash and leaves and stuff? So our, our engineering team flew out to California and met with the dealer, met with the landscapers and, and actually viewed what we call the you know, world's first blowers uh, being used in the streets. And the landscapers asked us, you know, is this something you guys could just make from the factory without the water tank? We're not using them. Um, and we did. And that was the world's first backpack blower, which was called a TD-9. Um, and that was in 1975. And it's kind of been,
0: you know, off to the races since then. Holy smokes, man. That is, that is a fantastic story. Seriously. That's awesome. I I can just imagine the engineers like, what is, (laughs) like what is going on? I I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall when, when they Uh, were explaining like, Hey, we, we don't need this. That's cool. And, and that's cool yep. that you guys actually, like the company took initiative to send the guys out there, make a pivot yep. and capitalize. And so was it pretty clear? I mean, you think, I'm sure you're just hearing these stories over and over again, but I mean, was yep. it clear at the time that, hey, this is going to be a massive need? Let's shift some focus here. Or was it very just grassroots? Let's just test it and
1: see if it works. No, I think they immediately realized you know what? What was you know in the future? Yeah. You know when you start looking at using you know brooms, you know, like yeah. clean up debris. Yeah. Um, and it, you know in California too is a perfect market for it. They use a lot of you know uh, rows of hedges, you know, they kind of separate property lines, and you get you know weeds and debris stuck in there. And I mean, sometimes you're at the mercy of getting on your hands and knees with a little rake and, you know, pulling that stuff out yep. and then to be able to just, uh, you know, walk upright and go through there with of equipment and blow all the stuff out to the other side and collect it. Yep. Uh, we knew immediately it was going to be a huge time saver and that, uh, it was going to be a, a huge product line.
0: Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. And so I'm wondering what was it priced at the same price point? And so now, I mean, as a, as a business that had to be huge. I mean, you're using less equipment to put together this piece of equipment, less manufacturing time. And then I'm assuming you guys were charging the same price for that.
1: Um, yeah, I don't have reference to the uh, original MSRP, but it it is amazing how, you know, back when we had, you know, kind of the first string trimmers out on the market, you know, back in, you know, the late seventies, You know, they were $149. Well, even today, you could buy a trimmer for $149. So, outdoor power equipment pricing has maintained pretty level throughout the the decade. Uh, But they were probably pretty close to what the retail prices are today.
0: Yeah. That is interesting. That is interesting. Well, man, let's let's, uh, switch gears a little bit here and talk about... You've been with the company 15 years and Correct. I'm sure just in your time span with Echo, you've seen some changes and some innovation. So I want to give you the opportunity yes. to speak to some of the big changes that you've seen in in yep. a decade and a half now.
1: Yep. Yeah. So some of the changes that I've experienced, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're always looking to improve is how can we make something either higher performance, um, lighter weight, something to get, you, get the job done faster. You know, we, we all know time is money, right? We all have the same number of hours in a day. Is there anything that we can do to allow that pro user to get into that job and either get that job done quicker, uh, maybe be less fatigued at the end, is it something that he can do more jobs within a day to put more money in his pocket or is it something where they can get a job done uh, quicker and get home to the family and spend some more quality time with the family, which is obviously extremely important. So throughout the years, that's been the main focus and that's been kind of the main progression of our tools. You know, you'll see uh string trimmers that, you know, used to be, you know, 14, 15, 16 pounds are, you know, down to 12 and have, you know, 20, 30% more power than they did even, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, uh, another good example there is in, in the, the progression and performance of, of backpack blowers. You know, I first came on board for Echo, you know, we, we were kind of leading the pack with blower performance at, you know, a whopping 600, you know, cubic feet per minute of volume. And it was like mind blowing. It was like nothing ever seemed like this on the market, you know. And then now with the launch of uh, you know the PB9010, we're pushing over a thousand you know cubic feet per minute in um, basically the same footprint of a product, um, same similar weights. You know, so things just get lighter, they get more powerful, they get more efficient. Um, also, seen some some you know technology uh, changes too you know, um, primarily related to the ignition systems. You know, um, 15 years ago, you couldn't find an ignition system that was digital or had any type of computer chip technology in them. Now these are, you know, welcome to the world of computers and handheld equipment. There is computer chips that ignition module that can set different timing curves and different limiters and do all kinds of things to make sure that engine You know, starts uh, super easy. Mm -hmm. You know, idles uh, very uh, stable, uh, uh, stable idle when it's when it's cold. You know, accelerates uh, through all the different power bands. So, a lot of lot of changes and just design. Uh, weight, performance, uh, technology—everything is just—it it just seems like compound year after year in advances.
0: That's so good, Jason. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And it seems like ever everything is pushing towards better efficiency. And on, on yeah. this podcast, we always talk about the balance between capacity and efficiency and and when to increase yep. capacity and top line revenue and then when to manage what you have and get more efficient and sure. I, I always lean towards capacity so it's nice to have you okay. come in here and and balance back out and, and talk about efficiency but every the trend is everything's getting lighter it's getting yeah. smoother it's getting easier to function um, yeah. I'm wondering and obviously it's getting more efficient with the you know the software that you guys are implementing. I'm wondering yep. uh, and I'm going to throw you a curveball here Jason so hopefully hopefully it's okay. We're we're going to go sure. go off script yeah. for our audience here but what about okay. like the sustainability for a business owner because it's one thing to add a trimmer or maybe a backpack yep. blower that just makes you so much more efficient. I get that. Sure. I get that. Yep. But I'm also thinking yep. about these guys where a backpack blower is a super large investment when you have sure. just yourself or yourself and a couple guys. How, yeah. how how has the sustainability improved in the fifteen years that you've been there?
1: Yeah, so the sustainability has definitely been in uh, you know the performance of the the equipment. I won't even say performance. I'll say durability, the longevity, uh, the dependability. Yeah, you know, the longevity. One of the,
0: yeah, that's that's the one I would like you to sit with. That's yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. So longevity. You know making sure these engines are, you know, engineered to take the abuse, to take the, you know, eight, nine, 10 hour running days, you know, probably one of the biggest uh, efficiency killers in the industry is downtime and down the equipment, right? If you're, you know, depending upon a piece of equipment to get in there and get the job done. And now that piece of equipment, you know, isn't starting or isn't performing right or, you know, it's finicky sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, you're just killing all your efficiency that you have, uh, uh, for that day, you know, so we usually try to recommend, you know, invent, uh, investing in commercial grade equipment, commercial grade equipment is an engineered to again, be ran those long, hard hours day in and day out. And in the, and the last, year, you know, you could buy a less expensive equipment, um, that you may save, you know, half the price. Well, that unit's not going to last maybe one six, uh, as long as a commercial grade equipment, so yeah, you may be paying double in price up front, but you may be getting a product that lasts six times longer, and that just adds you know money back into the uh, operator's pocket. Um, and then also, uh, eliminate or dress decrease downtime also.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so speaking to our audience now, if you, if you guys are out there looking at this equipment, make sure you are doing your research on the, the longevity and go on some yep. forums and go on Facebook and, and get some reviews because, Hey, if you're, if you're going to spend 500 bucks and it's going to break in two years, yep. as opposed to spending a thousand bucks and it's going to last you a lifetime, you, you exactly. need to be forking over the money. So I'm, I'm wondering now too, what speaking towards longevity again what's the worst Mm -hmm. thing that you see guys do when making a mistake on routine maintenance or lack thereof that that helps in the longevity of these and and talk about like string trimmers and backpack blowers specifically
1: sure sure yeah there's 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 really three things uh that come to mind uh so if you were to kind of rank you know the the number one we'll just say killers of engines two-stroke engines four-stroke engines. There's there's two that come to mind. There's really dirt and there's heat. So for from a dirt standpoint, um, obviously every engine has uh, some type of air filtration system on it to keep that dust and dirt from going into the engine. Um, it's you know some of these engines are running extremely high RPMs. You're running eight nine ten thousand RPMs. Uh, That engine is consuming a lot of air as you're operating it, and the air filter tends to kind of go unchecked. So that that air obviously needs to be cleaned by the air filter. If you're not doing regular maintenance on your air filter, not every air filter is 100% efficient. You can actually get some dirt particles that work their way through that filter media and into the engine. And then what happens is that engine's running so fast. Now you got some dirt and grit in there. It basically acts like a high speed abrasive and it just starts grinding down the entire inner workings of that engine. Mm. You'll start wearing down your piston. You'll start wearing down your cylinder. uh, You'll start wearing down your piston rings. And then what happens is your performance will basically just slowly decline to where like this, it's not running right. Something's not right. And you could drastically increase the life of your product by – you know, every day, taking that air filter, not even replacing it or cleaning it, just, you know, tap it on a surface, you know, knock some of that dirt loose so that it's not packed on there for the day. Um, you know, usually we recommend every six months, you know, clean that air filter, uh, replace the air filter, but daily just tap some of that dirt out. Uh, you'll be way ahead of the game. You'll keep the dirt from getting in that engine causing all that damage. Um, and drastically in, increase the life of really any engine uh, out there, two-stroke or four-stroke. That's great. That's great. Um, the, the, the other thing would be uh, heat, uh, you know, making sure these are all, for the most part, all the echo engines are air-cooled engines. Pretty much anything, handheld equipment is air-cooled. A lot of your wide-area walks, and UCRs are all air-cooled engines. So you could be running a piece of equipment in Arizona where it's uh, 105 degrees out and you're basically taking an engine, working it really hard, and then blowing hot air across it to keep it cool. So all the engines have a fan system designed to pull in outside air and route it through the key areas of the engine to keep the cylinders cool and, and everything. Well, sometimes what happens is those passages get blocked with, you know, grass clippings and leaves and debris. So then their airflow can't get through that engine and keep it nice and cool. And you start um, overheating the engine. You'll start cooking your oil in there because it's exceeding like its thermal capabilities. Start creating some premature engine wear. So if you want to extend the life of any equipment, check your air filter, tap out any dirt daily, and then just take a quick look of wherever your air intakes are, varies by equipment, and just you know, blow out or pull out any grass clippings, any leaves, any debris that's in there so you know that engine's always getting a nice supply of uh, cooling air across the cooling fence.
0: Man, that's great, Jason. Hey guys, go go back and, and and save this little clip. Three to four minutes, let your crews listen to it. it can save you a lot of time, a lot of headache, a lot of downtime and uh, make you make you more profitable which is what we're all here to do like the the longer this equipment lasts the more money it brings in the less headaches it gives you the more profit that's going to end up in your pocket jason our, our theme this week you're hitting it perfectly because it's it's new mm-hmm. crews and new equipment what, what advice can you give guys trying to find a good piece of equipment at an affordable rate that makes them more efficient
1: yep i mean my advice is you know not everyone has the budget to go out there and buy the biggest, fattest, top of the line in every category. Buy the highest quality piece of equipment that you can afford. Um, you know, within the Echo lineup, we have string trimmers from uh, you know, a one ninety nine price point all the way up to uh three ninety nine price point and even higher in some cases. You know, do you need to go right to that four hundred dollar model to get a unit that's gonna last? Absolutely not. Um, there's a lot of, uh, step up features, um, in there that may be important to you may not be. So if you're not, you know, concerned about running a metal blade or doing any big brush clearing or cutting down small trees, you don't know, save yourself some money and get, you know, the best string trimmer that, uh, you can afford. Um, same thing with the blowers, you know, you don't need to automatically go to the biggest, baddest, you know, most powerful blower buy the best quality piece of equipment that you can afford, you know, get some time on your belt, get those accounts up, get your efficiencies, learn the business. And then you can always step up, uh, when you have, you know, more funds available. That's
0: great, man. That's great. But yeah, we've been talking about efficiency. Let's talk about maybe increasing capacity through Echo's equipment. Are there any products that can add multiple services with implements or any outside the box thinking where guys could use, you know, one product purchase and, and, add multiple different services.
1: Yep. Yeah. There's a couple different categories that come to mind. Uh, the first is we have what's called a pro attachment series. So it is a uh, commercial grade, uh, what we call kind of a, a split boom or split shaft setup where you basically, the, the beauty of the system is you have one power head or one engine, you know, one, one engine to maintain one engine to find storage for. And then we've actually have six, Different attachments that basically plug into this pro attachment powerhead. So we have different attachments like bed redefining uh, attachment. So that may not be something you do on a day-to-day, uh, you know, call to a customer, but someone may see out there and say, "Hey, you know, how, what what do you charge? The, you know, cut around a new fresh edge around, uh, you know, my garden or my flower bed." Well, we have a bed redefiner attachment. Um, then you can use that same powerhead for pole burning for. Uh, pruning tall uh, limbs. We even have a defatching attachment. We have a pro sweep attachment, edging attachment. So these are all things that uh, by buying one power source, you have access to all these different attachments. And the attachments are considerably less expensive than if you were to buy a dedicated pole pruner or a dedicated bed redefiner. So it allows you to add these extra kind of arsenal of uh, of tools to your to your trailer and truck without taking up a lot of space. And without huge investment of dedicated units, so that's that's probably the the the, the most popular um, kind of multi-catchment system that we have. Uh, some of the other things that we've been trying to do is you know expand um, our, our our brand and some kind of add-on services that we call. So you know we have landscapers are doing kind of your your blow and blow, and then also get requests for you know can you you know, pressure wash a deck or my house or a fence. So we're getting into those types of areas that pressure washers uh, that a lance can easily add to their, their fleet of equipment and just add additional services, you know, in the event, you know, maybe grass isn't growing as quickly. Uh, you're not out there mowing as, as much. You know, what tools can we provide that professional user to maybe expand their services and, and, and keep, uh you know, keep uh, working and keep uh, uh, with the money flowing in?
0: That's awesome, Jason. Yeah, that's 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 awesome, man. Well, I, I'm I'm learning a lot. I'm loving this. I know our audience is getting value from it. I want to give you just kind of some some final thoughts that you can leave our audience around equipment. Anything that uh, that you would like to wrap up this conversation with, Jason?
1: Yeah, no. Just as far as equipment, um, you know, do the research, see what's out there, buy the best quality piece of equipment you can afford. Just do basic maintenance things. Check that air filter. Make sure those heat, you know, heat passages are nice and open. And then the other thing too is I see a lot of people do everything there and then kind of cut corners at the very end, which is with the type of uh, quality of either two-stroke oil or even four-stroke oil. It's probably more important in two-stroke equipment just because of how fast these engines run. Yeah. Is we'll see users, you know, want to save a dollar by buying, you know, a gas station bottle of two-stroke oil and. If I had a nickel for every time I heard, oh, all all two-stroke oil is the same. Well, we've done a lot of testing on it. Definitely not. And I've seen engines that were ran on really poor quality uh, two-stroke oil literally be destroyed after about 40 hours of runtime because that oil just didn't provide the lubrication that engine needed. Whereas we could then take that same engine running a little bit higher quality oil that maybe cost another dollar and get you know hundreds of hours of operation out of it so uh maintenance and then uh when it comes to the engine lubrication that's basically the lifeblood of your equipment uh not a not an area you want to cut costs on so again go as well-known brands, premium products—it's um, well worth the extra buck or two that you'll you'll have to spend on it.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. And and you seems to kind of be the uh, the overarching picture here of this conversation is: Hey, invest in good equipment. Invest in quality yep. equipment, and and don't try to scrimp and save when maintaining yep. this equipment because the longevity of it. Is where you get your ROI. So I love what you said. Like, don't save a dollar on some some yeah. engine oil. It, like, yeah. go with go with the top grade. Take care of the equipment. Yeah, we've all heard it. If you take care of your equipment, it's going to take care of you. And in this industry, that 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 couldn't be more true. Well, well, Jason, I, I appreciate you uh, you sharing your expertise, man. I, I've enjoyed this conversation. Why don't you tell our audience where they can find some of these products and what's the best way to engage with Echo?
1: Yeah, probably the best way is uh, through our website. So it's www.echo-usa.com. On there, we have uh, all our products, uh, pictures, uh, there's end user reviews on there, all the specifications. If you're not even sure where to start, we have a product selector guide on the website. And it'll basically say, you know, what type of product are you looking for and what applications are you going to use it for and how often you plan on running it? And it can actually narrow it down to a couple models uh, that, based on your input, are the units that we'd recommend for, for the user. So you're not, you know, lost just scrolling for hours in a website looking at every single model and trying to figure out, you know, which one's best for you. We, you know, when it comes time to buy, there's a dealer locator on there. Um, type in your zip code. You'll find out exactly who the dealers are in your area. We have a whole bunch of frequently asked questions. I mean, that's really the best source for anything you want to know. Echo related.
0: That's great. That's great guys. Go, go check out echo. You said www.echo-usa.com and, uh, sounds like you can, you can dial it all the way into the exact specifications for your business size. So I love that. I love it. Jason, we yep. appreciate you, man. You guys keep at it and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, no, great. Appreciate the time. It was uh, good talking to you. Yep. Take it easy, man. Bye-bye. Thanks, you too. Yo, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys and we would really appreciate you leaving a review. It would mean a lot to us. Take care and God bless.